you're outdoors. It's just the best thing ever. You're out in the, God's creation, breathing the clean air, watching the sunrise, toes free, almost freeze off. Makes you feel alive. And I really love that because it's almost crazy. And it re- makes you, like I said before, it makes you think in your feet. You have to be creative because you, you never quite know what's going to come next. Today we discussed Gabe's journey to becoming an outdoor filmmaker, creating stories around hunting, the specific camera gear it takes to create this content, the longing we all experience to get outdoors, his journey to becoming a husband, and so much more. If you love hunting, the outdoors, or filmmaking, this episode is absolutely for you. Episode 45 with Gabe Stoll begins now. Have you ever struggled or are struggling with kind of this like comparing yourself to others or feeling like... I, I guess I just reached a point in my like filmmaking content creating career where I almost had to like unfollow a lot of other filmmakers that I looked up to because I started realizing like my style started becoming theirs and I was always after something unique and maybe that was just me. But like what's have been like those challenges of being a filmmaker in kind of this like vertical video world that we all live in in 2023? I 100% agree with like the competition on social media is just the worst. I and uh, yeah, I've been affected by that for sure. Especially like following some people, not talking bad about like Peter McKinnon and all these people, and like that's why I grew up. And I think when you first start off with kind of filmmaking photography, you always you have to you don't have to, but you it's encouraged like copy them, try you know try to match their style. It really helps with like developing your own style. And but I think it's to a point where everyone's trying to be someone else you don't especially after you do it for a few years you're always trying to be that person and it doesn't work because we're all unique we're all different we're all interested in different things and i feel like from my journey at least i've always known that and i get drawn in sometimes with social media it's like do you see it's just flooded with information and and people like want to grow their social media accounts they're posting like crazy and see it like tons of stuff and it's not healthy for the creative mind to be just, like just saturated. Like you'll watch one reel, like do you do this color grade? Do you watch this co- next reel? Do this color grade? Do this camera trick? And you're just flooded with so much information that it's kind of hard to process. And so for me, I've definitely taken like a step back. Some social media is like, and or I might be like, oh, that's cool, but I won't try to like. I need to do that, or I wish I could be like that. I'm really focused on, you know what what do I like to do? Like not to be pressured to post, not to be pressured to, you know, follow the person consistently or to even like master my skill. I'm just kind of going my own pace and just like, what is, what do I love to do? Cause ultimately it comes down to that. Like what you will get, you will get better when you learn to love your craft and to kind of take it at your own pace. Cause I know a lot of people who like pursue it so hard and they get burned out so quickly. So speaking of things that you love to do, uh, I would say if people look at your feed now, it's very outdoor focused, uh, a lot of hunting stuff, outdoor backpacking, things of that kind of overall picture. Has that been something that you've always been able to capture from day one or was it a kind of steady decline? Because speaking for myself of I wanted to be a filmmaker, or hold a camera and make money, enjoyed it. Uh, but this was probably like 10 years ago. But what I learned was like, there was not very much money for people that had no portfolio to show that wanted to go uh, take pictures of like a famous country music artist or EDM or like music as a whole was where I wanted to get. And so I felt 
uh, obligated from almost just a necessity of financial survival to automatically have to go into weddings because that was like where all the money was. So has your journey been, uh, have you had to sacrifice projects or certain, I guess, like topics to film or create content around, or have you been able to always been this kind of outdoor focused guy? I grew up, you know, I grew up on a farm. And so I was always hunting. I was always hiking and kind of at that time, photography and videography was the second part of that. So I hunted and then I was like, oh, I can film my hunts and put it on YouTube. That's cool. And so I started doing that. And one thing led to the other. And I started pursuing, pursuing as a career. And like you said, you get to the point where like, oh, dang, I need to make money to support this because everything's so expensive. And also, if you want to live, you got to have some money. So yeah, you make the sacrifice. Oh, well, weddings is simple. I can do that. So I did a ton of weddings and it was good money, but I never loved it. I never loved it. It wasn't, it wasn't fun. And so I, then I got a job at uh, Fleet Outdoors, the hunting clothing company. And that really allowed me to pursue my dream of outdoor media. Uh, before that, I was kind of like, if we're going to hike, I'll take pictures and then I'll make, maybe make a reel of a hike. But I never was driven to do that. Kind of, I don't want to say I lost my creativity, but you know, when you do so many weddings, it's like it's the same thing over and over again. And you can try to make it creative, but it really is a wedding. <laughs> so there's not much, not much flexibility there. So working at that job really gave me the opportunity to film the outdoors and be creative in the outdoors. And I feel like. I always tell people this, like, I'm like, I want to get in the industry. What do I do? I'm like, find a job. You don't have to be self-employed. Find a job, even if it's side gig, filming for doing stuff that you love to do. And then you'll get, maybe you'll have enough, you know, uh, talent to, you know, be drawn in and hired by these companies. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been a journey for sure. And I've always loved it. Always been surrounded by the outdoors. And I've got to the point where, you know, I have enough knowledge of outdoor filmmaking because it's, it's a lot different than commercials, music videos, weddings. Because a lot, if you're in the hunting industry, it's running gun like crazy and then come up with a story afterwards. <laughs> That's uh, happened way too many times. And then if you're like kind of any kind of product stuff, it's still very, very different because it's not, it's you know, outdoor geared. So you, have, you don't really shoot in the studio at all. And a lot of these guys are kind of, you know, they're, you're doing a lot of rednecks, that's for sure. <laughs> but it's it's a lot of fun. It's very adventurous for sure, and I, I just love it. It's just the best thing ever. How do you balance wanting to create something that's authentic, but also at the same time, like there is something to be said about skill in filmmaking of knowing how to make something look a certain way or shoot a certain depth of field, or like balancing 120 FPS for 60 versus 24, and like still create something that's visually stimulating. So in this world where I just feel like everything is so socially media focused on vertical short form content, of at least for me, I hit this roadblock where I was like, I just want to create like long form content and have the freedom to like tell the real story versus this pressure of, oh, I only have 59 seconds and I have to like do these lights and sounds and craziness that weren't <laughs> actually even happening. I feel like with the hunting industry, you're geared to more realism because you're telling the story of like what's actually happened. Whereas, you know, a lot of commercials, you're, you're painting picture of like, I mean, you know, a lot of people are using CGI nowadays, like stuff that never was there. And so I think that's definitely helpful, been help to me with this industry because you can, you can, you know, it's all about telling what actually happened. 
and with uh creating stories with videos I've already shot it's 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 kind of like I went somewhere to film something it's not quite the story that I thought I was going to do use and I have to kind of tell it in a different way and it's still like the at the core it's still the adventure and the and then uh and the fun and the camaraderie you have but you kind of like instead of like oh we sh- we went and you know harvested this amazing animal it's like oh we went there and had a great time and learned this lesson so it's it's the core is still the same but this lesson is different and you know like always got to be on your toes uh it's really you know made me i feel like a better um storyteller because i'd had to like you know always be on my toes like oh what's this what's that you're not in the studio nothing's planned uh, some well, some things are planned but most things are not planned and so you i feel like with being in the outdoor industry it gave me it has given me the opportunity to be creative and think differently um you don't get to work it's a one man one man team i am <laughs> i'm the sole camera guy photographer if you're doing any lighting, I'm doing lighting, audio guy. So it really makes you have to be creative. It's It forces you to step outside your box, step outside your comfort zone. Uh, you're getting, if out in the woods, you're freezing. You're, we hunted last year in Canada, negative 20. So you got to be mindful of camera gear. And you got to be mindful of, you know, the heat, all that kind of stuff, bugs, water, whatever. And it just forces you to, you know, be appreci- appreciate where you are at and also be creative and to always um, learn from your mistakes and improve. Yeah, that's super interesting because I think just from a practical hunter standpoint, at least my experience of I've probably maybe less than 10% of the time that I've gone on hunts have actually harvested yeah. an animal, especially much less a, you know, a trophy or a record setting thing that like fits this like YouTube culture of like always the biggest best yeah. thing of, I can imagine balancing that would be pretty challenging, but that's cool to, to hear. Like you're, there are other elements about, you know, the love for being outdoors and the camaraderie that you talked about. So talk to me about, I'm just, personally curious in the process of from a hunting aspect and having this shiny big expensive object like just actually even coordinating your shots like has that been a learning experience for you i would imagine like i probably in my head have never i've never filmed not probably i know for a fact i haven't filmed a hunt (laughs) but i've definitely been on hunts but I would assume I, I'm going to guess like I'm going to get out there and think it's one way, but then realizing like, yeah. oh, actually it's, you know, I can't move around as much as I can, or I didn't bring a long enough lens oh. or all these different things. So just talk to me about that evolution of like your own self-discovery of creating content and like the hunting content. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could go on for hours about this. The, the one thing for sure is like, it's so unpredictable because like you'll have, you'll think you'll be set up in this one spot for this shot. And I always kind of keep in mind, like, oh, I'll have this, you know, the, my subject or hunter like backlit by the light that never works out and then if we're hunting the ground we're always uh either we're moving around we're running gunning which is always a nightmare because like i want to film then the hunter with like a 24 to 70 and like oh no this deer switch the lens off put the 7200 on and that's just a nightmare so a lot of times like running around with a 70 millimeter in the woods trying to keep it stable but yeah it's uh it's never it's I grew up doing it, so I kind of understood. Uh, even in like hunting a tree stand, it's it's not easy. You got to bring. If you're still filming, you're got the camera up there. You got the camera. You're moving around. You're mindful of so many things. But like it was, it was definitely a learning process for sure. 
if I'm ever hunting with someone that has never been filmed before, it's a really challenge because then you got to get these people who are who are there hunting. They have their own, you know, thing they're worrying about. They're worrying about calling it a deer or animal and then shooting it, whether with the bow or gun, because it's a it's a lot of work, it's a lot of, a lot of stress. And then I'm trying to get them to talk to the camera, tell me the story. And these guys are never like some of these guys have never spoken to the camera before in their life. And so it's a really big challenge. You kind of you almost have to have them like not talk to the camera, but to you like, Oh, just tell me what to do, like what, what's happening. And they're still, they're like, Oh, well, it's, um, it's, uh, this day. And, um, uh, yeah. And <laughs> it's like, you just, it's very difficult to really film someone that's not, uh, familiar with it. So you really have to be creative to like try to make them comfortable and also draw out the story. Cause they don't want it to be for me. I don't want it to be about like the harvest or the kill. I want it to be about like you know, their story or the story of the adventure or whatever else. And it's a, it's a challenge for sure. You really have to be creative and figure out how to draw out that story uh, one way or the other, having them talk to the camera or you, or you, them talk to you exactly. With uh, what I'm doing now with Fleet, it's really nice. My boss and I have had, this will be our third deer season together. So we really have gotten to the place where we know each other and what's what's expected so he's really uh passionate about the creative side and he is always mindful like okay well, this is the plan we always kind of you know laid out before like we're from this then that then basically storyboarding before we get out there and it gives us an idea of what shots we want to get but still it's it's hunting everything nothing goes to plan it, you're dealing with an animal you're hard trying to harvest an animal, which is like will never come like 80% of the time. And so you're always trying to, you know, <laughs> keep it light. You'll sit there for a whole day. You know, we'll get there in the morning, sit till the evening sometimes. And it's just a full day of just sitting there and just trying to figure stuff out. And maybe that deer does come in. You still got to film that deer, then realize like, okay, I got to go from him to the camera, to the hunter, tell their story, get that angle, get down from the tree pack all this gear up in the backpack hopefully nothing breaks or you drop a lens on the tree it's just a lot of things to think about but it's a lot of fun because it makes you be creative and almost a little stressed <laughs> it's which just makes you you know i'm still alive and you gotta it's not in the studio dealing with a lot of like lights and everything it makes you out you're outdoors it's just the best thing ever you're out in god's creation breathing the clean air, watching the sunrise, toes free, almost freeze off, makes you feel alive. And I really love that because it's, it's, it's almost crazy. And it makes you, like I said before, it makes you think in your feet. You have to be creative because you, you never quite know what's going to come next. And I just love that. It's just, it's just my, some, for some, some people, actually for most people, they won't love it because it's so crazy. But for me, I love it because it's like, this is, this is what I love. I do this like I would do this without a camera. And it's just it's just love, so much fun. I love it all. So talking about being out in uh, God's creation, typically most people uh, would stereotype that technology and being out in the wild doesn't, those <laughs> two doesn't things match. don't it go well match. together. On the basis of always feeling pressured to, so I'm kind of marrying two questions in one of, always having the next latest, greatest camera body of, I remember I can put myself back in the shoes of being like, I rented gear the first two years 
and basically made no money because I'd have to pay the rentals to be able to, because I wanted to, sh- I, I'm a gear oh, nerd. I always same. wanted to have like the best thing. and Give him the new lens. Kind of the, <laughs> I was like faking it till you make it, but like I was openly being like, yeah, I don't own this camera, but do you feel like there is an actual honest minimum threshold or feature specifically for outdoor content creation? Like I would imagine that you couldn't take a Canon Rebel out in negative 20 degrees. <laughs> like, so I feel like there That's, are some actual yeah. tangible like, pro level weather ceiling things that you probably need to achieve so on that basis like talk to me about how do you approach i'm guessing your pockets are stuffed with batteries like how do you approach going out into like the true wild with all these things that are needing technology and and stuff like that oh that's very true like we've invested and i've personally invested uh, a lot of money into like good quality gear like you said like you can't take a rebel out there (laughs) because it will it will die so we run the R5C, and uh, before that we had uh, just the R6, and uh, we rented the C70 a lot last year, and they were great. It's um, you definitely know this a slowdown, no matter what the camera, and like negative twenty, it's, it's <laughs> everything's gonna get affected, especially with like a lot of rain, moisture. We're dealing with a lot of moisture all the time, with dew or rain, and yeah, so you have to have you don't have to have the best gear, but you have to have good quality gear. Do your research. Get something that's you know solid metal or or like weather sealed plastic with Canon stuff, and because that that makes a difference. You know, it's not going to sit in a studio and get no sunlight and like get a little bit of dust on it because like all our cameras are filthy right now. I got to clean them; it's horrible, it's covered in dust. But uh, it's like it's the reality of the outdoors. It's nature's nature's rough, and so dealing with all this gear, we really consolidated our pack. So. All or anything, everything in a small backpack, and it will. Uh, I think right now R5C. We run DJI mics. Uh, we use the um, ooh, DAT mics. We have the little shotgun mics and R5C cage and two lenses, and that's kind of what we run most of the time. Seven two hundred and uh, fifteen to thirty five Canon, and that's kind of what we have found <laughs> works. Before that, we had I took like three lenses out there and three different cameras and like you just kind of like throw everything in like what might happen like what's going to happen i'll bring everything but you really learn to be you know, consolidate with your gear really learn to use your gear because this is it's not like i'll go grab this lens if you're out in the tree stand like you this you have everything and so learning how to use your gear learning your gear is a big that's why i've learned so much is like I've, I've learned this camera to its core because you're sitting out in the woods you have nothing else to do so you're scrolling the menus but also you're dealing with situations where you you have no other you know options. This is everything you need to learn how to use it. You need to learn how to use it at 4 a.m. with a headlamp, and you have to use it. You learn to use it at like noon in Texas, where it's super bright. And so you really have the yeah. You have to use what you have. But um, yeah, having certain gear for sure. Having good gear is important, but also you don't have to have the best gear either. You don't have to have cinema lenses. You don't have to have uh, you don't have to have Aerialex out there. You can run the basics, and still you know produce a good quality image. Like I've run, I've run R6 for a while, and you know it's not the best camera, but it looks a lot better. My footage now looks a lot better than what it did like three years ago because I've gotten to know it, got better color grading, just learning how to use the settings. You can produce a really good image just with the basics that you have. I'm curious of you. You kind of mentioned that most of the hunters that you're filming are uh, stereotypical <laughs> rednecks. So 
I, I personally have a question of, I would assume that maybe 50% of them are like, this is probably the coolest thing they've ever done in their life to be filmed while they're hunting. Yeah. But I would also imagine that maybe there's 50% of like, hey, you're this kid with this shiny object, like you're going to oh, ruin yeah. my hunt. So like, what's been your experience of like getting buy-in from, I know you talked about like you and your boss have this great relationship and have kind of figured out like, hey, this is what you need from me and this is what I need from you and you work really well. Yeah. But like, yeah. how do you approach those new hunters? Do you like sit down and like talk to them? Do you just kind of like wait for something bad to happen out in the woods you got to kind of like communicate through like what's that process like for you of like kind of setting the expectation of uh people being on camera for maybe the first time in their life like hunting that's something that feels kind of personal well the the interesting thing is a lot of times you don't have the time to sit down and talk through it or like in the in the if you had to connect it to like a like commercials or something like that it's like scripting you don't have time to script don't have time for them to get in their characters is like it's the, uh, their authentic self and a lot of times you're showing up like <laughs> you'll meet at 4 a.m in the morning before you go into the woods or you meet a few days before and it, it it's it's interesting because like all these people you don't want you like i said you want to keep it authentic you don't want them to be uh not themselves you want because that's the whole point of a hunt you want to have an authentic person shooting like harvesting this amazing animal and it's yeah you want to have that story and tell that story it's challenging, like I said, to get these people out of their shell because you put a camera in front of anyone's face, no matter how yeah, experienced they are with the camera. It's going to be like the moment of like, whoa, hold on, the camera. Then I'm, then they might get into it. But with these people who have never been filmed before, it's their, all their knowledge of PC and people on camera is like TV, which is a lot of TV, a lot of or movies. And they think they can do it. And then they get to that point and there's freeze. I have with a lot of people who have just frozen and they don't know what to say i'm like it's fine and what i've learned to do is just like talk to them and then also turn on the camera <laughs> and so you're having like a conversation i've really got to the good point where like i can ask certain questions draw stuff out it, but it's yeah it's never easy it's always a, that's what i love about it because it's it's not simple and like if you if you say you yeah a hunting or hunting videographer or hunting outdoor industry videographer it's a hard thing to compete with because not too many people do it. I think there's only, I mean, there's a lot of people who video and photo the outdoors, but in the aspect of like people who are like storyteller, producers, editors, there's a very small core people, which I have uh, come to know. And yeah, it's, it, if you say that you are outdoor industry filmmaker, it's, it's very small because not too many people, I mean, the, a lot of people do it, but not too many people last in it because it's such a unique field and, very uh, physical. You have to be really good in physical shape because you're like carrying around a big camera. You're chasing these hunters, and you have to tell the story <laughs> story in a very stressful situation too. So yeah, it's a really really unique unique industry for sure. Whenever I've gone like truly out into the outdoors, like truly away from things, there always has been for me like this sense of clear mental clarity, reconnection with like myself, like some sort of this thing that whenever I leave I'm like longing to get back out there like I I, again not leading the witness so whether if you haven't experienced a similar experience like yourself or like that for yourself like maybe you could just generally talk about it but someone who's constantly working out in the outdoors who's always doing this thing is does that feeling ever go away and if not or if so what is it that you feel like in your own words 
Like, what is that that we're all sensing or picking up on? I've never lost that feeling. Uh, the I feel like if I had to talk about the biggest one that impacted me the most, we were in Canada last year, Alberta, Canada, and I think it's like 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. Got on top of this mountain, we were glassing for deer, and no, not a joke, no joke. It was just like, it was in co- completely silent. It was like not a gust of wind. You could hear your own heartbeat. It was so magical, and... I've never, I don't think I've ever lost that. Even like here in Tennessee hunting, um, any kind of state, just being out there, seeing that sunrise, hearing the birds chirp, hearing the crickets go, go out the go with whatever they do. It's, it's really magical. And I feel personally, like what I think is our, our spirits connecting to God and his creation. Cause it, we have been surrounded by so much of this, you know, concrete and brick and steel, man-made structure and not getting fully you know gotten not getting our toes in the dirt and all that kind of stuff not growing a garden uh and i feel like it's us when we get out there like wait a second like there is this world outside of stoplights outside of cars outside of cell phones and really just kind of taking a moment because a lot of times you're sitting there no phone on you're just listening because kind of listening for the deer to show up but it's being in a place where there's no talking is only listening. It really changes your perspective on life. You you get a lot of time to think about life, that's for sure. And it really gives you the opportunity to kind of connect with God and his spirit. And I've really have the testament to that is you cannot you cannot deny that there is a creator and you're sitting in this amazing, you know, cathedral of God's amazing creation, the mountains, all the all the wildlife it just makes you appreciate your life so much more. And I, I don't, I can't explain it. I'm not a brain scientist at all. I don't know what it does to your brain or why it is, but I have definitely seen like just being out there in the, in the moments of such an impact. I don't, yeah, I know so many people have said that too, like yourself, you saying that you, you feel a difference when you're out there too in the quiet. I was like super, I've always been like an outdoorsy kind of person growing up, but even recently, uh, last uh, October, when we went on our honeymoon to Vermont, uh, we were out like hiking. And my wife is very much the like rebellious, like don't follow the rules person. <laughs> and I'm very much the rules person. And so we had gone kind of off this trail that I think we probably weren't supposed to go down or something like that. But we had got to this place where literally there was no noise. I mean, there wasn't even crickets. Like there was like it was dead silent, yeah. nothing like dead, dead silent. And not just like, every once in a while like that's all that there yeah. was and i just remember like grabbing her and being like hey can we sit down here for a second like all i was hearing was just like my own footsteps and that was like no planes no cars no animals yeah. no wind no lake no rain like just nothing and i i just remember like kind of looking at this kind of like uh like this stump that this like moss was growing <laughs> on and i was watching this like like bug like eat the moss and i was just like reminded of that scripture of like that you know jesus talks about like look how like like my father cares for the Mm -hmm. sparrow like how much more does he care for you if i'm thinking like i'm in the middle of nowhere and yet like i'm getting to experience from what my answer to my own question was of like and in what you were saying of like we when you're out there you have removed everything that is so like human man made that's yeah, supposed to yeah. make you happy or supposed to make you feel more connected i.e. your phone or mm-hmm. whatever it is and in, you're now put in this environment where all you see is creation like God's creation like even if someone's listening and don't believe necessarily in 
like yeah. God, like you to your point, like you can't when, deny, you can't deny there. like because there's just so much intentionality of even looking at just like birds' feathers or just like mm-hmm. all these different colors. I'm just like, there's no way, like oh, no way that this was all just some random act of like Half something my chance, right? <laughs> so that's why I like, that's kind of my own experience of it's just like getting myself in that environment. And then it's always kind of that tension of like, okay, well I can't stay out here forever. Like I can't, yeah, you I know, know. Like, oh, come like, on. like I have to, you know, pay bills or whatever. So <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. It's like, how can I like find that, you know, kind of secret place or place, whatever, mm-hmm. like in my everyday life to like disconnect from all the things that are ultimately pulling me away from more eternal things. But yeah, we have such a, sensory overload with you know the world now today and it's not a it's a bad thing but it's like it's like you said you gotta pay the bills you know you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do and it's i feel like every person should have that opportunity to get out there and i have i'm blessed you know to have this amazing job where i can i can do that every week and multiple times a week but yeah yeah i would, I would definitely encourage people to get out you don't have to hunt go on a hike go on you can take a picnic but just find those those quiet places uh for for a creator it really helps you think a process you get away from your phone you know we're all we do so much and create so much to get people to look at our stuff at our at their phone and because all our all our work nowadays is social media that sometimes we get become a slave it slave to our uh of it to ourselves or uh, slave ourselves to it and yeah, I, I find myself doing that too. I'm like, wait, I'm creating this content so that other people can be glued to their phones. Like, it's a it's an internal conflict. I still gotta still have to do it because you know it's my job. But <laughs> it's a nice balance that I can also create content of the outdoors to help people, you know, feel like, oh yeah, I gotta get get outdoors too. And yeah, I I, I really love it, and it's such a peaceful place. Tell me about your experience with the BSC course. I've like seen it yeah. on your Instagram a few times. I've definitely been like, next time I see Gabe, like I'm definitely like really yeah. curious to like just that's a fun. How do you yeah. like first know about that? Like, what's your involvement? Like, what's been your experience with that? That's been a really really fun experience. So it's my brother-in-law's. Uh, I met them. Then I met you know my wife. So <laughs> it wasn't the. It wasn't that kind of, you know, oh, now you're in the family, you can do this. But I met them. I did a lot of media work for them. I They needed a, some video content, photo content. So I did it for them. And then I kind of became more like then I became, you know, a brother, a part of the family, of course. But uh, it's a really interesting thing. So BSC stands for Bible Survival Combat. Uh, they bring uh, boys and now girls in between the ages of 10 and 18 and teach them the gospel, which is the, uh, the best thing, which I love, like getting these people these kids you know giving them the gospel giving them the good news but then they're also teaching them uh good survival skills and it's not your basic survival skills this is like foraging learning what plants to to eat and how to take care of yourself in the wild and also combat so the combat side of thing is like i know how to defend yourself in certain situations pretty much they're training uh these young men and women how to be uh, high-risk missionaries so it's really a really cool thing it's not like your basic missionaries is like if you're going to a war zone yes you're there to preach the gospel take care of people but also sometimes you got to defend yourself and it's good to know how to and so that's a i really love being a part of that and i get to be the media guy i am on staff there media and it's a lot of fun because you get to go to these <laughs> we go to these camps and they have we'll have uh you know 
explosions, not real explosions, of course, but like, you know, some like firecrackers will have a lot of training involved. And it's a really cool place because I think it's, it's a five day course and they bring the boys out there. They take away all their watches, take away all the cell phones, they're living in their sleeping bags, learn to make their own shelters and to get, get to see this experience of, you know, <laughs> panic <laughs> at first and then they get into it and they're really loving it and just the whole learning process and also seeing a lot of uh these kids lives changed by the lord is so so amazing and i really am glad to be part of it and uh, making a difference not only in you know in these kids lives but also in the the big you know calling on on, on this planet was to is to preach the gospel and so it's a really cool opportunity for sure. What has been your experience or perspective on, I feel like uh, we'll call it our parents' generation, our grandparents' generation that are like extremely critical of like kids these days of all they want to do is sit at (laughs) home, play video games and just like very uh, electronic consumption focused of you're getting a front row seat to see this 10 to 18 year old age group who is, like smack dab supposedly in the middle of like, this is supposed to be this generation that's failing the world or whatever (laughs) you want to say of what has been your own experience or revelation or again, maybe lack thereof of like, have you seen these kids? Like, are they blown away by this and like an overwhelming aspect of not knowing how to be outdoors? Is it, you've seen them adapt. Are you way more, positive outlooking for the 10 to 18 year old Mm -hmm. age demographic are there some challenges you feel like that maybe you've seen like man they really are a little too addicted to their devices and i'm definitely thankful i have i have more hope now (laughs) i have more hope now with these guys but uh yeah you'll have we'll have some people that'll show up that are like really have prepared and love the outdoors you know yeah outdoorsy people then you also have some people that show up there like their mom signed them up so they kind of want to be there ish, but they're also, you know, they're very big into video games and technology and that stuff. And at the end, they're all so glad and so happy they went through it. But also, you know, it's it's hard to stick to it if you live in a place where you can't get outdoors. That's the biggest thing I've I've heard, at least from those guys who have come back. It's like we love it, we want to do it, but we live in the city. And I don't drive a car. And so it's kind of, it's, they love it, but it's hard when you're surrounded by all this technology. Uh, it's, it's tough sometimes for these kids who have been placed in certain, you know, locations and demographics. It's like they're, they're, they can do it, but they're kind of, you know, you'll be in the woods and like, yeah, I'm never doing going to do it again. And you slip back into it because that's all, you know, I definitely do have hope for our generation now because I definitely see a turnaround and it's, it's pretty good, but uh, it's a really really fun opportunity to see these, you know, see, see that our generation hopefully make a comeback. <laughs> you talked about having a brother-in-law. You ah. just recently got <laughs> married. Like, got hitched. Yep. what was that whole experience like for you of dating, finding someone that you wanted to then realize yeah. you wanted to marry and then proposing again in this very digitally, again, I'm, I'm older than you, but I'm not like it's. It's, <laughs> it's maybe we're same. It's, yeah, I experienced. Generation. I was still in the same field of or pressure, at least for me. Of I won't go into because I've rambled on this show too much about it. But of feeling like, how am I ever going to meet someone? Like everything is so digitally focused. Like this is so frustrating. Like I want to get to know someone, but I feel like everyone's they just put their life out there for everything to see. And like yeah, that's, that's you know like true. how am I supposed to meet? 
someone in church because it's like weird to just walk up to somebody and just gotta this, carry too many get enough chairs in the other guy yeah right? just <laughs> this like tension of kind of feeling like hopeless of no, and, and luckily true. like god provided a, an amazing wife whom i think is the best human being i've ever met in my life mm-hmm. but what was your experience like of of dating and challenges yeah. or just again I, I feel like everyone your age my age in between younger and older is always like how am I going to know I, oh, I found the one? Like So many of them. Just what questions overall, there. yeah. I mean, I was never the dating type growing up. Uh, I didn't want to say I hated girls, but, you know, highly disliked girls that flirted with me. And I, I did not like it at all. I was like geared to my, my art, my craft of filmmaking and outdoors. And so, like I said, I was filming for BSC, made friends with her brothers and her family, and then knew she existed but like talked with her a little bit but was never interested and it's kind of like that one day people you know i've never i still don't understand it but like literally the, the light switch flipped and i was like it's like oh hello <laughs> never noticed you before but now i do and, and uh <clears throat> after that it was that was a process because i was such an introvert back then it was like it was a tough one because i had to you know, actually go talk to her and I didn't have her phone number at that point. And she was very also geared. I'm like, I'm not going to get married till I'm 30 or 40. And I'm going to travel the world. So she was not very you know, eager to start dating either. We both have never dated before. And uh, it, was, uh, it was definitely a challenge for me. Um, it's, not, it's not easy. I think people always say, it, you know, it's, 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 some people say it's easy. It's definitely not. It's, if, unless, if you do it the right way, that is. <laughs> if you do it the right way, it's not easy. Uh, or it could be depending on your, your personality and your situation. But I have that with that experience, I definitely matured a lot because you have, you have to, if you're, um, if you really care about someone and thinking about getting married, you're like, this is a lot of responsibility in your hands then because you're not caring for yourself, you're caring for someone else. And then, you know, in the future a family. So it's definitely a maturity growth. But, uh, when we first met, it was, you know, the process of getting to know each other and then trying to kind of falling in love and then realizing, okay, this is going somewhere. I I can't remember. Like I said, I'm not, I can't remember how long we dated. I think it was about a year. And then we were engaged for four months and then married, got married two year, two months ago. And it's been the best time ever because it's literally, we're best friends. And so we hang out together. We do fun stuff together. We go hikes, we camp out. And I've learned, I've learned so much just from being with, you know, a person of the opposite sex. It's not, you know, I've always been around guys and, you know, guys, we, you know, if you get knocked down, like, okay, like you get back up. But a lot of times with, if you're doing with your wife, you know, or a girlfriend, whatever that is, you really have to respect them and understand them. I feel like we have lost so much and you really have to respect them and honor them and love them for like, for who they are, no matter their flaws, nothing, no matter all, you know, forgetting all of that it's they're they're human they're special they're made in the image of god and you have the responsibility now of caring for them and it's really taught me a lot of being responsible <laughs> and being more you know loving towards some of them so someone that you know you're with every day sometimes they'll make you upset but it's got to forgive and move on but yeah is there anything that you had always assumed marriage would be like and then now that you're two months in, realize that it absolutely wasn't? Or 
if not generally, was there anything that surprised you about uh, your wife now that you're married that you've spent, again, to your point, like a lot more proximity, like physically around this person now every day that this was like surprising to you? And like, again, it doesn't have to be something super or shouting. It could be something as silly as like, I thought she liked blue colored spin dress, <laughs> but really she likes yellow colors. Oh man, that's a, I, I just feel like that the point of the question really is just like, at least for me, I just felt like that I rightfully so like held marriage up on this huge, big like plateau that really like in some ways sometimes felt insurmountable. That I was never going to get there. And oh, I, yeah, I think that yeah. I had to let go of this like certain dream, not in a negative way, but just not, I had to let go of like these certain standards or like assumptions and just really realized to ultimately connect with my wife. Like I've got to let go of all these stereotypes and just focus on like her alone and connecting with her needs rather than what I think I watched my parents do or what I thought marriage would be like. Yeah, everyone has their own journey. It's not. It's never the same for you know two different people. Yeah, I, I would agree there with like you create this picture in your mind of what it could be, and then they come into your life and like this is almost but not quite, or it could be very different. And if it's the, if they're like, you know, they are the one, then, you know, that, that's how it's, what it's going to be. And you really, like you said, you have to let go of this, you know, image that you created, the stereotype that you've, you've made in your mind of what, you know, life is, you could be, or, or going to be in your mind. And I definitely figured I ha- figured I had to do that. Like had the thing of like, I'm very, uh, I have a very vivid imagination. So I created this thing like, okay, it's going to be like this, it's going to be like that. And then I realized, no, it's not going to be like that. And I wasn't like disappointed with it, but I knew like, okay, I have no clue then what I'm going to, what's going on and like what it's going to turn out to be. And it was kind of, it was that point of just like, you know, kind of throwing your, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) And it's kind of like, God, whatever happens, I'm willing to do it. And it was like that, that step of faith that like, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah, I love that. And that actually uh, bridges the gap to this last question. So every person that comes on the No More Zero Days podcast always gets the same question. And and that's that really I built this show on this idea of what I experienced in my own life, that I was living in either this zero day, which is getting nothing done towards whatever your goal is. Maybe it's getting married. Maybe it's like trying to work up the physique to go elk hunting, like to, uh, you know, go film a concert, like whatever it is you're doing of, I really lived in this tension of like, everything had to be perfect or nothing was going to be perfect. And for me at the time, it was like, I was trying to diet and lose this weight. And like, I like ate this Hershey's, uh, kiss (laughs) because they had a lot of candy at the like office I was working at the time. And then rather than just being like, oh, I messed up, I just ate a Hershey's, it was like, well, I guess we're going to Taco Bell late night tonight. We're doing McDonald's for because like all bets are off. And then I really like realized I'm like, this is such a dangerous mentality to live in because so much progress and whatever subject my life was like living in the like, you know, between the zero and hundreds, like today's a five day, today's a 80 day, today's a 20. And I would look back and be like, wow, like look at all this progress I made over the course of time. Yeah. So what advice, and you can take it through whatever lens you want, whether that's filmmaking, hunting, marriage, mm-hmm. like however you want to answer it to this hypothetical person, like what advice would you give to someone to, who's stuck in this zero day mentality, who's doing nothing right now towards that goal? Like what advice could you tell? Yeah, them? just do one thing at a time. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to paint the whole picture in a day. You don't have to take, you know, make a whole documentary in one day. It's the little things in life, the little progressions that ultimately lead to 
the end goal. Just like working out, you know, you can, you, you won't get your dream body in two days. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not possible. Just like with any art, like I, when I first started off with videography, you know, I had this image of what I wanted to be and the content I wanted to produce. And I got so upset at myself. Like even, even after a year, it's like, I could be better. I tried so hard. Why am I not good? And, but if you looked back between that first, like when I first started and the end of that first year, it's like, wow, look how long I've come. And it's, oh, people always say, you know, forget the past. And I always, I agree, but also be mindful of the past and where you've come from. Uh, it's life's too short to, you know, just, you know, <laughs> life's too short to sit back and do nothing, but also it's too short to try too hard and fail. Failure is good, but like have this, um, picture in your mind of, uh, of what you want, but it's, it's like not achievable in a certain time. And so, like I said before, just the small rewards, a little bit at a time. Don't, don't outdo yourself. Don't get burned out. Cause it's, I've done, I've done it before. You get burned out so easily. And especially in this day and age, it's being overwhelmed so easily, so much comparison. It, in the video industry or in any kind of creative industry, you see someone, you're like, ah, oh, I'm not that person. And so just like step back, little progress, you know, just do one week, do something They try to like, you know, have a little goal at the end of the week. Don't make it too, too crazy. And just achieve that goal and move on from there. And then you'll see over time, week by week, month by month, by month, year by year, you're making progress. And that's, I feel like, you know, anything in life, that's how you progress. And that's how you get to the place you want to go to is those, those little, little achievements, little rewards. And don't be hard on yourself where I have to like, and every person's different. Like some people do great with like, you know, big, you know, <laughs> something big in their life they have to overcome. But most of our, most of our, the human race is like those little over little things that I overcome and getting to that place of the end goal and taking step by step you'll get there eventually and that's like like that's probably any advice i can give to someone that'd be the advice is like don't no one's perfect it's sometimes sometimes it doesn't work out too and throwing all your marbles in at one time and like it won't you'll lose everything so just take a little bit a little bit at a time and you'll get there just be patient with yourself